Welcome to this week's edition of Eye of the Swarm, your inside view at anything and everything Yellow Jacket Athletics. Our engineer, Elliot Swear, the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, and uh, it's been an interesting sports week already um, for reasons obviously unrelated to UW-Superior. You know, I'll, I'll, you're a basketball guy, obviously, and, and I am not, and I am definitely not an NBA guy. I am amazed at the impact that the death of Kobe Bryant has had on the not just the sports world, the world. Yeah, uh, a couple things on that. Uh, I'm not an NBA guy either. You and I have talked about this. I used to be. Um, I'm not. I haven't been for about 10, 15 years or so, I would say. Thank you very much, Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes, that's a <laughs> lot of it. Um, Kobe Bryant, I think, touched people not just because, I mean, for me, and this, it, I was thinking about how I was going to answer this because I knew you'd ask me this today. And, you know, being a dominant basketball player is one thing, right? I mean, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and we can go down the list. I mean, you can go all the way down Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, so on and so forth. Um, Kobe Bryant was a different character in regards to his approach. His background was not typical for an NBA player because there's been a lot of talk about how sports offers people who are economically disadvantaged growing up in poverty or in crime-infested areas where they have a chance to get out. Kobe Bryant's experience was not that. He wasn't like LeBron James, who, who grew up in a rough part of Akron, Ohio, trying to get out. He wasn't like some of the other guys that have made themselves kind of by playing ball on the streets and coming up. Kobe Bryant came from an NBA background. His dad was an NBA player. He lived in Italy because his dad played there and therefore learned Italian fluently. Highly educated. Spoke multiple languages, and most NBA basketball players don't speak Italian. Right. You know, I mean, other than the players that have come from Italy to play in the NBA, of which there are a couple, you know, Danilo uh, Gallinari and Andrea Bregnani being the two that come to mind right away, but that's because they're from Italy. Right. He spoke Italian fluently, got to know Mike D'Antoni, who also played there, who also speaks uh, Italian fluently, but became a coach in the NBA. So, I mean, there was a story about them. But the biggest thing about Kobe Bryant, I think, was the fact not only was it a sudden death. Whenever somebody dies, and he was younger than both you and I. I'm 43, and you're, what, 46? 45. 45, okay. He's 41. And whenever you have somebody die suddenly in a tragic accident like this one is, you begin to go, wow, life is fragile. And so that makes you go back to watching him do the things he did on the court. The thing I always appreciated about Kobe was that he was willing to challenge himself intellectually as well as physically. And you just don't see that a lot in professional sports. You don't see it at any level of life, really. I, and I go back to this story. This is something that I thought about after I found out that he had died. I watched him go to the AFI Awards uh, for Lifetime Achievement Awards for John Williams. When John Williams was honored by the AFI for whatever, 50 years or whatever it was of, of some movie soundtracks. He was one of the presenters. And he came up and he gave a very stirring, I would say, inspirational for that matter, like tribute to John Williams. And the reason why he did that was because he said, when I ruptured my Achilles tendon, which was, of course, at the tail end of Kobe's career, he said, I wanted some inspiration to come back, what I need to get in the right mindset. He's like, and I sought out John Williams. Now, most guys coming back would never admit to going to a classical composer who has been nominated for 50 Grammys and has won a bunch of them and Academy Awards and has won a ton of them, who's in his mid-80s, 
for inspiration to come back on a basketball court. Most guys would not be willing to do, go that direction, and he was willing to go that direction. He said, I wanted to tap into his insight into making what I consider perfect music. He said, because whenever I listen to John Williams, he said, it puts me into a zone mentally. He's like, and it didn't matter if it was Star Wars, Indiana Jones, um, Harry Potter, uh, any other, you know, the Olympic, you know, fanfare soundtrack, any of those. He said, it, it just, he said, if I, I figured if I could, if he could say something to me that would make me tap into and, and allow me to focus myself in a way that he focuses himself, maybe I'd be a bas- better basketball player for it. That was interesting to me because mm-hmm. I'm always drawn to people who are intellectually curious and want to push themselves. You know, we all know Kobe Bryant was a great athlete. We all know he was in the same mold as Michael Jordan. He made a big point of saying that Michael Jordan was kind of his muse on the court. But the mindset and the willingness to challenge himself intellectually really drew me to him. And you would never find an interview with him where he wasn't extremely articulate and come off as very, very intelligent. Well-educated, clearly. And a guy who valued, not only was he intelligent, he valued intelligence. He wanted to push it. He wanted to challenge himself. He wanted to challenge his worldview and his experience and live life. And I think that aspect of it is what is kind of making the sports world and the world in general kind of notice a little bit more. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if some guy dies because, you know, that uh, was famous but had gotten himself in trouble with the law consistently and, you know, had posted all kinds of nasty things on Instagram or something, Kobe wasn't that guy. Right. Take away the rape allegation, and I understand, you know, that because um, – but, I mean, this is a guy who stayed married to the same woman throughout his career. He had four daughters. Um, you know, it, he was very atypical for a true superstar. And so that was, I think, the thing that – I think that's the reason why people are, are looking at him and, and talking about him the way they are now. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if you if that's how you saw it, but that's – me being a well, basketball guy, that's I, how I saw it. Obviously, I'm not as familiar with the with his background as you are, but I, I've, I was just amazed at the, the outpouring of emotion from people. Right. You yeah. know, and I – talking with my mother a little bit about it, she said it, it's almost like when Elvis died. Yeah. He was kind of a basketball Elvis. Because there was this, you know, the world kind of stopped for a few minutes when when everybody found out Elvis died and right. sat there in their cars. Remember where you were and how you sat felt. there in front of their TVs and just cried. Right. Never met him. Never saw him live. Right. But something about how he carried himself, how he did his business touched me to the point that made me cry and I'm seeing a lot of kind of the same way she said this reminds me a lot of when Elvis died and she's not a a sports person at all I mean she'll watch tennis and you know maybe some golf but that's really about it you know and NASCAR because long story but she uh, doesn't watch professional sports for the most part but she said the the way this is all unfolding is a lot like when Elvis died it you know to me I my my thoughts are not just with his wife Vanessa and the three surviving daughters and all the other people and their families people who lost loved ones in that crash. I mean the Altabellis lost three people in that in that crash. Right. A husband, a wife, and a daughter. John Altabelli's brother, who was the SID at the the school where he was coaching, penned a absolutely incredible letter. 
instead of writing the story for the website, he wrote it in letter form, and it's it's incredible. Oh wow! And it it kind of I, like I should probably read that. You you yeah. need to go to their website and read it because it's absolutely amazing, and it will it will bring out the you know the the I'm not crying, you're crying kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That's that's a, a you know a deep thing. I you know in the case of Kobe Bryant, I think the other thing that made it sudden and shocked everybody and really put Los Angeles on a tough spot as far as like the Laker nation and all this other stuff. I mean, they talk about Lakers fans is the fact that LeBron James has passed Kobe the day before the day before and uh, for third all time on the scoring list in the NBA history, LeBron went over and shared a moment with him. And that was the last time they talked to each other in person. Yep. And I, my thoughts go back to LeBron James and how he must be feeling. He, pen something on Instagram. He he, you know, it was a couple paragraphs. I would guess in length, um, talking about all kinds of different things. But you could tell it wasn't really thought out. It was more of a, um, I just have to get yes, this. I out. have to get this out, kind of thing. It was it was more like stream of consciousness. Yep. Um, and he even admitted it when he was writing it. But you know, for him, it'll be interesting for me to see how he responds to this. Um, it's an emotional thing whenever you pass anybody on the all-time scoring list, especially top five. Um, and to do it the day before as a Laker and then get the news as you're flying back from Utah into Los Angeles or wherever they were. I think they were maybe Philadelphia. They're in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. they're in Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. it was one of those places. Um, to find out when you touch down what's happened, that he's now he, you literally saw him and shared a moment with him, passing him on the scoring list. And then less than a day later, he's dead on a, on a hillside in Calabasas. Is. I mean, the turnaround is shocking. You're not you're not conditioned for that. You know, you're not conditioned to have that high and then have that incredible low. Right. And it does. I think that that turnaround for the NBA audience to the people who really follow it was a lot to handle. You know, I just saw him 12 hours ago. Right. <laughs> you know, it was like, and he was, you know, he was on, he was literally sitting court sitting courtside in Philadelphia, and that was, you know, he was literally there just for that. Twelve hours ago, and now twelve hours later, he's now he's he's gone. Yeah, he and his daughter are gone. Yeah, so it's it, you know that shock is leading to I think a lot of this outpouring. Just sure. the, the sequence of events, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's mind blowing. It is. Yeah, it really is. You know, I mean, we fortunately don't have to go down this road often. Yeah, where you you lose an icon that suddenly. Right. You know, so thankfully it's not anything we that's. And the present. irony of that situation is so surreal, it can't even be really quantified. Right. You know, and and, and I mean, it, this is something that will stay with LeBron until the end of his career. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, no matter what he does, he's going to remember this last week yep. as one of the worst and most surreal of his life. Yep. You know, not to mention, of course, Vanessa and the three girls. Right. And the rest of the families that lost loved ones. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, all, that's about the most intelligent thing. I was trying to think of a good way to put it, and I hope I was somewhat articulate in talking about it. But No, you... You did great. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you did a heck of a lot better than I'd be able to. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. So anyway, let's talk sports. Yeah, other sports. It wasn't the uh, wasn't the best week for the Yellow Jackets? A week ago at this time, we were sitting here going, "Oh, these winter sports teams are clipping along." Well, the clip stopped. Yeah, the clip stopped a little bit. Uh, you know, things are still in front of most of the teams still, so that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were there were some setbacks last week, and we'll get into it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, where do you want to dive in? Well, I got men's basketball up first, so let's why don't go we go hoops. with them? Okay, men's basketball last week, they split two games, um, fall, falling to Northwestern in their first game of the week, 98-85. We had talked about that game 
as being a tough one on the road. So not completely surprised that they were, you know, the victims of, of the Erickson Center and how well Northwestern plays at home, which they always do. Right. But uh, lost 98-85 to on Wednesday at the Erickson Center in St. Paul before coming back on Saturday and defeating Crown in a tight game, 80-74 to at the Mertz. In that game against Northwestern, basically – um, it came down to not being able to make enough stops. Yep, they just they were shooting lights out. They were almost fifty eight percent for the game, and I mean, Yellow Jackets played well. I mean, six players scored in double figures. They had five turnovers for the game. They shot almost fifty percent themselves. But again, just, good enough for a win most nights. Oh gosh, yeah, that's that's going to be good enough to beat just about anybody else on a given night. But yep. Northwestern just refused to stop scoring. Yeah, and that was I said that on the air. I said you know they're, they're just not they're not missing. Yeah, and that's really hard to come back from. Um, UWS gave themselves a chance, however, with all that said. Led 41-40 to at the half, and actually led by 7 at 62-55 to with 22 left, but that was when Northwestern really put the hammer down and started making shots. And Noah All made a step-back three-point shot right in, I think it might have been Joe Kramer's face. And Kramer was playing good defense on him, and he just literally stepped back and made a falling away three-point shot. And when those kind of things start happening, you just – then he made another one like a minute later in the corner. He was open on the second one. but Right. When you, when you have that kind of stuff, and that took it from a one-point game to a seven-point game or nine-point game or something like that, and yeah, that was that was kind of a knockout blow, really. The Jackets never really came back from that spot. Like I said, six players in double figures. Alan Anderson had 24 points. He was 10 out of 18. Bede Malinkovich, 18 points, 13 rebounds. Eli Vogel, the freshman, we'll talk more about him in a second. He had a big week. Mm-hmm. 13 points. Mason Ackley, Mac Rechtdahl, and Joe Kramer all had 10 points. So six players in double figures, but again, not enough against Northwestern team that just refused to miss shots. They had five wow. players in double figures themselves. So wow. it was yeah, there were a lot of there was there was a lot of scoring going on in that game. A lot of scoring going on in the second game too against Crown, eighty to seventy four Jackets uh, took a big lead at halftime, thirty nine twenty seven. But actually, Crown came out in the second half, shot fifty four percent from the field, and actually took the lead at sixty eight sixty six with four oh three left. Before that freshman, Eli Vogel hit two straight threes between one thirty eight and forty nine seconds. The game's still tight to take it to a seven-point Yellow Jacket lead, 76-69, and they held on the rest of the way. From there, UWS shot 50%, while Crown ended up making 44.9% of their shots. The game was, uh, there were a lot of whistles, 46 fouls and 53 total free throws in the game. Yeah, it was another one of those situations. But Eli Vogel, despite playing with four fouls for a lot of the game, he picked up his fourth foul early in the second half. He ended up with uh, 28 points, career high. Career high. Yep, 8 out of 15 from the field, 7 out of 13 from three-point range. And some of those, like I said, those two big ones late were really the key in the game. Sure. Veed had another double-double, 20 points, 11 rebounds. And Alan Anderson, who had a somewhat of a quiet night as far as offensively, 13 points, he had 8 rebounds. But Crown really, really pushed them defensively. Crown really got up. They played a matchup 2-3 zone, but it was the most extended 2-3 zone I've seen this year. Where they were literally in the Yellow Jackets' face as soon as they came across half court. I mean, there was they were trying to give them no space whatsoever, and so it was good that the Yellow Jackets were able to persevere and pick up the win because Crown really came physically right. ready to play that night, and uh, thankfully the Jackets were able to hang on. So one and one on the week there now. Like I said, eight and one in the league, still tied for first place by the way with Bethany Lutheran and Northwestern. So they've got plenty of things to play for in front of them. No, definitely. I think, but if playoffs started today, they'd be the three seed. Yep. You know. Yeah. But yeah, There's one a lot, one loss near the three seed. Yeah. <laughs> Tough. I mean, it's one of those years. Yep. You know, so. Women's basketball also split two games. Fell to Northwestern as well on that same night on Wednesday. 81-66 before defeating Crown. 62-55. That Crown game, by the way, was a little bit different. The Yellow Jackets played it as almost a half varsity and half JV. They were moving players in by fives. 
five players come in, five players came out. It's the first time I'd seen Coach Zach Otto Fisher do that as far as like shelling in different lines Actually, of players. Actually, a line change almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was a little bit of a different kind of situation against Crown. Uh, in that game against Northwestern, Jackets never really gave themselves much of a chance. I hate to say it, but they just they didn't play real well that night. 21-20 to 20 after one quarter, they were down. 48-37 at halftime and 65-54 after three. Jackets shot just 37%, while Northwestern made 48.2%. And that lost snapped a 14-game winning streak. Mm. against Northwestern. Last time Northwestern had beaten the Jackets up until Wednesday, December 8th of 2010. Wow. So it had been nearly a full decade. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a little bit of uh, teeth gnashing going on on the bus on the way home after yeah, that Yeah, I one. can imagine. Eva Reinerson with a double-double, 20 points, 11 rebounds. Emily Carpenter had 11 points, although she was just 3 out of 14 from the field. She had a tough night shooting. And Michaela Coivisto had a nice game, though. 10 points, 5 for 8 in the starting lineup. And then that game against Crown, Jackets led 15 to 10 after 1. 35-24 at the break and 50-39 to 39 after three. UWS, 36.7% of their shots found the bottom of the net while the Storm made 42.6%. Jackets have never lost a crown now. All-time against crown, Jackets are 14-0, and 0, dating back to their first matchup on November 16th, 2007. Hmm. So, yeah. Emily Carpenter, she bounced back from a big in a big way. 25 points for her. She was 7 out of 13 from three-point range and 8 for 15 overall. Ellie Leedstrom. 14 points, rally. She was uh, 6 for 10 from the field, so she had a nice game. Very nice game. Yeah. Track and field competed at the BSU Open, hosted by Bemidji State at the Gillette Wellness Center. In Bemidji on Saturday, the men placed third as a team with 118 points. One of those rare meets early in the year where they they keep a a point score, yeah. UMD was the winner with 250 points, and then MSU Moorhead was at 204, and the Jackets were in third at 118. C.J. Pellath won another event, John, but it wasn't the way throw. No. Yeah. It wasn't. He threw us a curveball here. Yeah, he did. He took the uh, title in the shot put, though, with a distance of 14.91 meters. Finished second in the way throw. 17.39 meters. I think we'll let him go, get away with that. Yeah, we'll let it slide. Yeah, exactly. Eddie Carlson won the 800 meters with a time of 203.40 and finished third in the mile with a personal best time of 439.22, so a good meet for Eddie. Very good meet. Yep, and Jake Weston placed second in the 400 meters with a time of 53.03. On the women's side, the Yellow Eddie Jackets. was UMAC Athlete of the Week, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, I was about to get to that. Okay. Yeah. The women placed uh, fifth at the BSU Open. Leon Torgerson, second in the 400 meters with a time of 101.09. And she placed fourth in the 200 meters with a time of 27.23 to earn 13. The Yellow Jackets, 25 points as a team for the day. So she earned more than half the Yellow Jackets More total. than half, yeah. yeah. But as you mentioned, Carlson, UMAC uh, Men's track athlete of the week, first time in his career. So congratulations to Eddie Carlson. Mm-hmm. Very good day for him. Yeah, very good day. Women's hockey got a split last week. Big one. Yeah, big split for big them. Split. It could have been a little bit better, even possibly, had things balanced their way. But they end up splitting with the number eight ranked team in the country, UW River Falls. They fell to the Falcons in the first game of the two games against River Falls, four to three on Thursday at Hunt Arena in River Falls, before edging the Falcons in the return matchup, two to one on Saturday at Westman Arena. Yellow Jackets in the first matchup, getting goals from Jenna Curtis, C.C. Hayes, and Amanda Sargent, Catherine Johnson with 31 stops. Meanwhile, in the second game, UWS scored their goals in the first and third periods. Ashley Schintz scoring at 17.02 of the first period. And then Kaylee Martinson scoring what ended up being the game winner at 12.43 of the third period. Mackenzie Whalen, 35 saves. And Whalen was named WIAC Women's Hockey Quick Trip Athlete of the Week, first time in her career. So congratulations to her. And then men's hockey. Well, she was she. I mean, she made 15 saves in that third period. Yeah, I mean, she was really good. You know, and they River Falls, they're good, and yeah. they they put the the pedal to the metal once they got one, down. Yeah. Once they got down two to one, and Mackenzie Whelan's goaltending was. She's been huge. really good for a couple weeks now. Yeah, 
Yeah, she was she was huge in that third period. It was like period. two weeks ago she gave up one goal and 42 shots or yeah. something like that. Yeah, so she's had a heck of a run here. Yeah. Yeah, she's been playing well. Yeah. Men's hockey, 12-4-3 and three overall, 5-4 and four now in the WIAC, John. I know it was a tough uh, couple games on it. Eau Claire knew it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, slipped one spot in the rankings down to number 12 in the, in the latest USCHO. Two. They were 10th. Oh, they 10th? Okay, yeah. sorry, two. At the USCHO.com Division Three Top 15 poll, they were swept by the number two ranked team in the country, now number two ranked they team They were in the four country. last week. Yeah, they were number four last week when the Jackets played them. UW-Eau Claire 4-2 on Friday before 2 nothing getting shut out. Both those games played at Hobbs Ice Arena in Eau Claire. In that first game, Jackets scored their goals in the first and third periods. Andrew Durham scoring for the Jackets at 13-10 on the first period from Bruno Berzaitis and Lawson McDonald on the power play. And then Dylan Johnson unassisted for the Jackets' second goal at 3:31 of the third. Miles Hector had 30 stops. I actually got a chance to watch the second period, and it just looked like Eau Claire was a step faster that night. They were. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. They are better than they were when we saw them here in November. They've improved. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're 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 big, they're fast, they're deep, they're skilled, they're really good. Yeah, that's you know, what they're they're in contention for a national championship. Yeah, I mean they're they're ranked number two for a reason. Yep. Yeah, I mean they, you know, and they got a first place vote this week too. Yeah, well they, they did last week too. They got did one they? last week too. Okay. Yeah, but they're they're a really good team. Well, and they've got some size and skill to them too. Mm-hmm. I know you were talking about the fact that they're a bigger team, and we're not small. No. But they're bigger than us, and they they skate real well. And you yep. said their back end is really good. Yeah, yeah, their goaltending, their defense core, really, really solid. And that's going to win you a lot of hockey games. It, it absolutely will. Yeah. And when you can sprinkle in some offense like they can, because they've got some really good forwards too. Their top yeah. six is as good as anybody in the nation. Yeah, they're they're good, and they're pretty deep. Yeah, yeah, they go. Yeah, they like point last year with the three or four lines. Yeah, can they skate three or four lines and not lose much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, then there you have it. Yeah, they're they're a good club. It's a tough matchup for the Yellow Jackets. The, yeah. It's a tough matchup for anybody, to be honest with you. You know, and uh, Friday they were just a better team. Yeah, yeah they it, were a better team, and uh, we came out and we were making mistakes that we haven't seen all year. Okay, you know, can't and do that against that, that kind of team. You can't. Yeah, you can't. And uh, I'll give the guys credit because they they had pushback on Saturday, and. Superior was the better team on Saturday. That's what uh, I talked to Connor Hamannick, uh yesterday, actually. Yep. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, on Friday they were better. Yep. Than we were. Yep. He's like, they we just didn't generate enough. You know, we're used to getting about forty shots. We ended up getting sixteen. Sixteen. Maybe a couple more, but not anywhere close to what no. we should be getting. No. Yeah. And they were just better. Yeah. Um. And that's why I heard your interview with Rich, and that he kind of said the same thing. They yep. were just a better team than we were last night. I mean, yep. they they were just better. Yeah. Um, but then uh, he's, you know, Connor said the same thing. They said they played one of their best games of the year mm-hmm. the next night. And after three straight games of kind of scuffling a little bit, yeah. they kind of began to found themsel- find themselves a little bit more on Saturday. Yeah. No, they, they played very well on Saturday. They, they had some chances in there. Um, you know, well, they're just, tough. It, it, they're, they're good. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they, they didn't have a ton of great chances, Eau Claire didn't, but they, they capitalized when they had to. And we weren't able to reciprocate that. You know, so it happens. Yep, two it nothing. Happens. Eau Claire scored uh, their goals. Their only two goals in the first and third periods. Miles Hector took the loss in goal. He made twenty one stops. But I think the Jackets had a what twenty five, twenty three edge in shots or something. Yeah, that was and it. we had a, Eau Claire didn't get their first shot until there was eight minutes gone in the first period. Oh wow! So you know, okay. granted, I think we only had two or three in that time. Okay, but a lot of neutral zone play. No. No, just no. We were in the, the offensive zone. We weren't getting shots through. Okay. Um, but 
we we were carrying the play. Okay. We carried the play for most of the game, just couldn't score. That's one of the things I noticed about them. They seem to block a lot of shots. Eau Claire does. They seem to really clog up they the They do everything well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do everything well. They're yeah. really good. They don't let the puck get to They're their They're the net. best team we've seen this year. Yeah. Hands down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that uh, that concludes the week. That was the Yellow Jackets. Uh, yeah, like you said, a little bit of a mixed bag last week. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple wins, but uh, a couple losses in there too. And right. Thankfully, though, everybody's still. You know, I mean, men's hockey still tied for second. <laughs> yep. Women's hockey is in third. Men's basketball is tied for first, and women's basketball is tied for second. Yeah. So, so I mean, everybody's still like, right there. Yeah. Exactly. You know. The sky is not falling. No. Every, like, everybody's still right the there. The roof didn't cave in. Right. So, you know. yeah. So it was a, yeah, a little bit of a mixed bag, but there's still a long way to go in these winter sports seasons. There are indeed. We'll take a little bit of a pause, and we'll come back, and we'll catch up with the new men's and women's tennis coach at UW-Superior, C.J. Schaffner. You're listening to Eye of the Swarm. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back on this week's edition of Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by the uh, the newest Head coach at UW-Superior, C.J. Schaffner, our men's and women's tennis coach. So first off, welcome to Superior. Welcome to UW-Superior. Welcome to Eye of the Swarm. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to be here. He's a longtime listener, first-time caller. Okay. Um, oh, you know, he, he's tuned into quite a few of our episodes, as from what I'm told. So he kind of knows our greatest hits already. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully we'll add to them instead of detract <laughs> from them. Um, yeah. Well, like I said, welcome. Uh, you know, it was I know it was kind of a whirlwind search for you and that you kind of hit the ground running pretty much you were kind of in one of those situations where you were kind of in betwixt and in between there for a while but uh uh like john said welcome and uh, we're happy to have you for sure i i think the players are pretty happy too based on the ones i've talked to well, so I, far so i mean i can't even imagine going through that transition at that time of year where you've right. already gone through your non-traditional season right and then you have a month two months yep. where you're going, who's our coach going to be? What's right. going to happen here? So I know that that was, you know, kind of a stressful time for them. What was like on your end? Well, yeah, and that's, it's tough. So I was 18 months into a two-year program at my last job, and I came up here, started, you know, I'm here for two weeks, and then the, the guys are gone. The guys and girls are gone for break. So, you know, that, that two weeks is tough because I'm trying to get to know them. We're trying to figure this out, try to figure out where we need to go in the future. Um, and then, you know, we get back for classes here and hit the ground running. So, but it's been really good. It's honestly been really good. So I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Also, you were the, <laughs> you came in right as Winter Storm Ezekiel was hitting. I believe. Yeah, is <laughs> that friend not, is, Yeah, is, yeah. is, is, that, is <laughs> no. that not true? I think isn't that right about when you yeah. when you came in? So it's no. like welcome to Superior. Yeah, yeah. have fun. Twenty four <laughs> inches of snow here. How'd you go? No, that's that's exactly it. I got up here on Sunday, the day that it just dumped on us, and. Uh, I had to move into my apartment on that day, and our, our street was not plowed. So, um, luckily, we had a truck, so we were able to, you know, plow through a little bit and get to the door, and you know, climb through the snow up the stairs into the room, get everything situated. But no, it was it was a pretty wild day, and then you know, we're parking halfway down the street because you know it's still not plowed for the next three days. So, what was the the rating you would have to put on the 
the what did I get myself into meter? Where where uh, was it during that storm oh, as it, you were trying to move in? It's high. And, you know, like, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, no big deal. You know, I've never seen anything like it. You know, 24 inches, two days, whatever, big deal, right? But so that, that didn't bother me a ton. But then, okay, so, you know, into the week, it snows six inches, nobody bats an eye. <laughs> like, that's not usual for me, you know, like <laughs> right, six, eight yeah. inches twice a week and nobody bats an eye. Just, you know, day as it is i think we said something too it was like uh, when because we we announced on the podcast that you've been hired and it was like yeah i think he moved in this weekend <laughs> right like, yep well welcome to superior it's, <laughs> yeah. i wish we would have rolled out the red carpet a little bit better it was a yeah. white carpet yeah it was, it was a white carpet but i mean everybody i mean i i hope you you take comfort in the fact that that's not even usual for us so right we tr- right <laughs> we're not used to getting 20 i mean we can get anywhere from about 12 to 18 but yeah. when you add that extra six inches it really throws everything into like flux right for everyone yeah. so well I, I was trying to explain it to tyler because he's in his second year here now right yeah. and he was really upset last winter when we really didn't get anything we didn't until get anything the, until it was late. right around yeah. this time because the last week of january was when it went subarctic and they were canceling yeah. school because it was 30 below. And then for the next six weeks, it just snowed almost nonstop. <laughs> yep. And I yep. said, that's not normal. And he didn't believe me, but I said, no, seriously, that's not normal. Well, then that happens. And he's looking at me going, you keep telling me this stuff isn't normal. <laughs> it's not. That is totally not No, normal. no, we don't usually get a, a snow dump like that. I mean, yeah. We can get... It's it's not unusual for us to get ten to twelve inches, yeah, which is yeah. a, a big inconvenience for everybody. But yeah. you start doubling that up. Now you're talking about two feet of right. snow. But that whole stretch was there was like an eight inch, right? And then there was the two footer. I think it was, and then a couple days later you got another seven or eight, and you're going, yeah, oh yeah. my god! It's I think it was the sequence of events. It's like you know, you, like you said, we got one before that was like eight inches, and then like three or four days happened, and then Thanksgiving came, and then Thanksgiving went. But why? <laughs> During that Thanksgiving time, we get two feet of snow, and then we got another, like, five inches, like, five days later. And you add that all up, and the sum total ends up being like, whoa. And that's how yeah. you end up with, with blobs of snow, like, what ended up happening to Rich's car. You right. know, where it's nothing but an antenna. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. those are the kind of things that happen, and where the guys can't get off the bus on the way back from a hockey trip. You know? Right. And they have, yeah, we missed all of it. Yeah, ex- <laughs> you know, I mean, that was... That 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 was just not normal. I hope you understand yeah. that. I hope yeah. you're okay with that because oh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing, though. Like down in Chicago, cold as heck, no snow. Where Very I, windy, when I was working, yeah. yeah, you know. So I, I appreciate the snow. If it's gonna be cold, let's do it. You know. So I, I really don't mind it. That is Yo, he's embracing. That's it. I like very it. refreshing. Yes, yeah. it is. We so, don't get that a lot. Of no, people. we don't. I, no, I, I really don't mind it. Most people uh, uh, try to run away. Really? Yeah, like, well, well to, like, Air- Florida or Arizona or something like that. Sure, we have snowbirds, sure. as we call right. them. Yeah, yeah. And they're usually people that are near retirement or older. Um, our former boss here was one of them. I mean, he, John Munson, who's one of the greats of the industry, in my opinion. He's uh, a radio czar. Yeah, he's a radio czar. And uh, he, I th- is he down in Scottsdale, like, half the year now? Is that what it is? It's something uh, like that, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he, yeah, I, he's I, I want to say he leaves sometime in December, and he'll come back in April or May now. Yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, but he, yeah, he's gone, and he just kind of taunts us on Facebook and social media <laughs> saying, here's where I am, ha, ha, you people, you're all dealing with, you know. Right. <laughs> lots of white stuff falling from the sky, yeah. and he just sort of. Appreciate that, John. Yeah. Yes, I know you're golfing right now. Appreciate it. Yeah, I always do the, well, thanks a lot, Munson. Thanks right. for letting me know what you're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled for you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that that didn't sour you too much no. on the, taking the job. <laughs> no, I would no. think, though, there's probably a, a little thing in your mind going right now that every time it snows, it just pushes that outdoor tennis a little bit further down the calendar. Yeah. And that, I imagine, is 
I don't want to say stressful, but it, it probably ticks you off a little bit. Yeah, you know that's the worst thing about it. Um, we do have a, you know, we we make use of our indoor courts, but gosh, we want to be outside. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we want to be. We got four courts with lights. Let's be out there. Let's use them. But right. There's a lot of snow on them right now, so we'll, <laughs> right, yeah. we'll, we'll get there, but um, the sooner the better for us. Sure. You know? Well, hopefully we can move all that snow maybe and put it on the snow mountain across the street. Yeah. I, you know, I'm dying to use my new snowblower. <laughs> did you finally get it? I did. You did? I did, yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yes, yeah, so I finally got the snowblower, and I haven't used it once. He was waitlisted. I mean, I, that's what I heard. Yeah. Twice. Yeah, I just, <laughs> Twice. I was on the waitlist of the waitlist to get that thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it does, uh, Did he tell you the story, by the way, about the snowblower? Like, this is a round, this is, he goes round and round about this with his wife quite a bit. Or you did for a while. Yeah. About the snowblower. This took years. The purchase. Yeah, this, this took okay. years. This it's, was years in the making. It's not a right. small investment. Right. I mean, snowblowers right. are expensive. And well, she thought you were lazy for wanting to get one. <laughs> yeah, first, I think that, you know, because she, well, we don't need that. Because you're not the one out here moving all the snow, you know. And right. So this last storm, the Thanksgiving storm, our friend Zeke, that was the one when I got back from Pittsburgh with the hockey team and had to park two blocks away from the house and walk and, you know, get to the front of my house and go, oh, yeah, I got to send her a picture of this because she was down in Madison. And she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, we should probably have a snowblower. Yes, we should, but that doesn't do me any good right now because I have to shovel all this out. It took me Mm -hmm. about six hours. And on top of the (laughs) fact that, like, Everybody else at the same time got the same idea. They were all yeah. like, ah, I need a snowblower now. Yeah. So <laughs> they were bought out. And I think you were you were determined, though, to get it locally because you said you could have gone down to the cities to get it. But then, yeah, I could have yeah. gone elsewhere, but I was going to buy from right. one of the local places. So I was on wait lists at two places, Okay. hoping that eventually it would happen. And then it, it showed up mid-January. Oh, right. Okay, they yeah. they okay. called and said, you know, if you're still interested, we have one for you. And I was down there in about... 18 seconds. <laughs> Pick it up and bring it in. And just set, it's one of those things now where you, you know you're getting older when you put it in your garage and you sit there and you look like, God, I really am, I'm really proud of my snowblower. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> and I, like I said, I mean, piece I, of machinery I, I, I have been able to use it because we haven't gotten enough of a snow dump to be able to use it so far. So the one time I actually took it out, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to practice with this a little bit. Since let's just see what the power is like. And I, I moved a pile onto the driveway so that I could actually <laughs> snowblow it off the driveway. That's when you really know you're proud yeah, of the Yeah, I, I, yeah. So I was pretty fired up about that. So I, I was able to actually get it to use it a little bit. But, you know, you kind of, uh, it was like, kind of an exhibition you game. You kind of dodged a bullet a bit with Zeke, though, because... Dave Kroll and his son came over. Yeah, and really helped you out of a yeah, tough spot. <laughs> they they really did. They really did. <laughs> that was I, he has a big driveway. Okay. And I he sent me the picture as well, the same one that he sent to his wife of his walkway uh-huh. after all that snow came. And he said, "This is what it looked like before. This is what it looked like after." And I texted him back and I said, "How long did that take you?" Because it was just a path at that time. Like he hadn't done the sidewalk yet. He had just done a path from the street mm-hmm. to his house. And he's like, about two and a half, three hours. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, that's great. Then he goes, I haven't even gotten my to my driveway yet. And I thought, oh, boy. And he oh. said, probably would have taken five and a half, six hours to just yeah. shovel it out. Yeah. But, but then until, Kroll, I, until I went out there yeah. that night, then I realized it was going to take me a lot longer. Because my neighbor across the alley, when he cleared his driveway, just pushed everything into mine. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I had a, Very neighborly ri- I had, I had a, shoulder, <laughs> a ridge up to my shoulder Oh yeah. at gosh. the edge of the driveway. And I'm like, there's no way. Just to, once I get that cleared... It's going to take half a day. It's going to take forever. Yeah. Because everything there was still almost up to my knees in my right. driveway. Yeah. And then Dave and Kevin showed up and like, you need a little help? Oh, God. 
God, yes, I need a little bit of help. <laughs> I need more than a little bit of help. So that the, storm actually, like, there was guys at UMD that I worked with uh, in my broadcast capacity up there that actually broke their snowblowers. Yeah. Like Tom Staffney, who is one of the guys at UMD that's been there forever. He's been part of their PA public address at their games and stuff. <laughs> he's like, I actually broke my snowblower. Like, now it only goes forward at a certain speed. Like, I can't go backwards. or He's like, it just keeps going forward. Like, I, I tried to reverse <laughs> it. It just keeps going this way. Yeah. He's like, so now I have to get a new snowblower. So just give you an idea, it overwhelms some snowblowers yeah. as well. So, so right. enough to talk about that. Home ownership <laughs> yeah. isn't nearly as much fun as everybody makes it okay. sound. So uh-huh. you go ahead and keep on renting because yeah. then you don't have to worry about that right. stuff. Right, you but, have yeah. people to do that for you. Enough yeah. talking about meteorology and stuff. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's talk, talk about the team. Let's talk a little bit about, about the tennis team because, you know, we've uh, the polls came out last week. The men and women both picked to finish third in the yep. UMAC. Yep. Uh, kind of been firmly entrenched in the three slots since we brought the programs back here a few years ago. So, you know, expectations, where where are we at? Uh, what have you seen through the, the first week or so of practice? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we're looking to make a push on men and women's side to, you know, for that two spot. We know it's a process. Um, we know we've been at that three spot for a little bit. Um, but I think we can make that push this season, potentially, um, in the next couple of years. Uh, the first couple of weeks have been great. Uh, the guys, the girls, they're locked in. Um, it's, it's really cool to see that they, they're in there every day working hard. Um, and that's all I can ask for, you know, they're asking questions. They want to get better. Um, you know, it's, it's not always typical to see that attitude. Um, you know, some people are just there, uh, this group, both sides really impressed. So, uh, so far so good. So, yeah. So good. You've got good engagement then I guess from, you know, on, on both sides, top to bottom. Um, let, let's start on the women's side then. Who, sure. who are we? Who are we looking at as kind of the the leaders of that group? Yeah. So um, uh, Waldo has been great. Um, Emily Wald. She could yes. be the worst player on the planet. And I'm still going to say she's great. Yeah. She's she, one of my favorite people. Of she's all just time. fantastic as a person. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. yes. No. She's just DJ Waldo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. She's been such a help um, for me and for the team. Um, if I need something, I go to her, and she takes care of it. It's been really good. Um, the other person that's been uh, pretty good is Maya. Um, you know, she's she's a solid player. She's going to play high in her lineup. She's going to be good for us. Um, and she's somebody that, you know, she just wants to get better. Right. Um, not to say the other girls don't, but she wants to get better, and she's she's always trying to get better. Um, and then the third person who, you know, I haven't interacted with a lot is Megan. Um, she's playing hockey right now. So right. Uh, we're excited to get her back. But, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are going to contribute this year. So. Maya is Maya Calloway. Yep, who's yep. a sophomore and I think kind of maybe took some people by surprise last year coming in and had quite a bit yeah. of success as a freshman. And I think she yes. was playing out of three singles. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Three and, or four. And, yeah. Yes. And she, she came in and had some success Yep. right from the get-go. Yep. And maybe took some people by storm. Yeah. No, obviously I wasn't here, but that is what I've heard. And um, she said, you know, she took a couple of years off and now she's back into it and she's she's still getting back into it, which is encouraging to me. So... Yeah. And then Megan is Megan Dulong, yep. who's also on the, the women's hockey team here. And, yep. you know, she, she there was one or two last year where she was the UMAC Athlete of the Week in women's tennis. So, you know, no slouch on the court either. Correct, yeah. No, yeah. She's, uh, she's a really good tennis player. I've watched her play several times, and uh, she just understands the sport. Um, you know, and she was kind of my source as to who I was talking to. I mean, I talked to Emily a little bit during the coaching search and stuff. And, but I said to Megan, I said, you know, how's it going? She's like, well, we're kind of – we're not really sure. You know, I mean, she's like, it's, it, we're kind of in a state of flux right now. Nobody quite knows what's happening. 
And I said, have you been involved in the search? She said, yeah, a little bit. She's like, you know, we, we've been being briefed, and Nick has talked to us about it a little bit. And, you know, we've, we've shared some opinions and stuff. But that kind of, again, throws, you know, the, the idea of it's tough to make that transition for athletes. Oh, yeah. And so that's probably, like, the first thing you would have to do. I mean, you can talk about the players that had to come back, but... My biggest question for you is like, what was your first like interaction with the players like? Because, you know, they've now they, they're going through a coaching change. They were a little bit up in the air about you know who's going to come in, who's going to be the next guy, and so you have to kind of put their minds at ease a little bit when you come in. Yeah. What was those, what were those first meetings like with both teams? Yeah, so I met with the captains right away, and I okay. said, look, guys, girls, we got a clean slate here. Let's let's make something happen. Um, and they they were excited. They're like. With your experience coaching, playing, I think you can help us give us this direction that we're looking for. They're they're hungry for it. They're hungry for that direction, um, and you know I think I think we can do that together. I think it's going to be really good. Um, but yeah, no, initially it was it was tough. You know we gotta we gotta create relationships right away, figure out what we're gonna do, who who we can go to for different aspects of things. Um, but and then after those meetings with you know the captains, we we did a, a team meeting and. Uh, you know, we got going, and from there, it's it just everything went pretty well. So one of the things that I always hear from new coaches, and it's something of a cliche, when you go in that first meeting with athletes, is that your new athletes, is that they didn't choose me, I chose them, and I have to convey that to them. Yeah, like I'm here. You know, you didn't necessarily want me. You didn't I'm, have a choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they didn't choose. I chose them, and so it's important for me to uh, to you know impress upon them that I chose them for a reason. Yeah, and so that's got to be, I would imagine, also part of your transition to becoming a head coach. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it's again, it's, it's a tough transition, but you know, there's there's a way to do it. There's you know, people I can reach out to to understand like how did you do this transition, right? So, um, I no, I, I I can't say enough how happy I've been with the way that we've been able to transition, um, and that clean slate is you know, it's a lot of the the, the athletes are excited about that, you know, like. What happened in the past? I don't care. I didn't. I can look at previous lineups and see where you fit before. Um, but at the end of the day, I get to do my own evaluation with uh, DJ and my assistant, and we can figure out where to go from there. And just it's it's a new new program in a, in a sense um, for them. So how valuable has he been? Oh, so valuable. Being you know kind of the conduit between Colin and yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, it's he's been really helpful. Um, you know he can he can give me his insights on what's happened in the past, and he can say, "Look, here's what we did that was really good. Here's that we what we did that maybe we should make adjustments on." Um, just very valuable um, to have him around, and the the athletes love him. So um, I, I can't thank him enough at this point. He's been been here every day at practice, helping me get through this, and uh, you know just giving me that you know inside information about some of the the people that we can how we can adjust to it, kind of thing. So. Let's take yeah. a look at the men's side, sure. Because I know there's a little more loss to graduation on the men's side than there was on the women's side. Um, you, you know, you did mm-hmm. with Josiah graduating. You yep. obviously lost one of the top yep. players on the men's side. So, yep. who are we? Who are we looking at? That's going to kind of lead the way for the guys this year. Yeah. So we lost Jobo, Josiah, and Leo, um, a Brazilian Leo, guy. Yeah. Um, they played real high in our lineup last year. Um, so we need guys to step up and. Uh, you know, KD did a great job recruiting uh, Michael Janes from North Dakota, a freshman, solid player. And the cool thing about him is he's going to give some of those upperclassmen a run for their money. So, you know, we can't get complacent at any spot because there's there's people pushing each other. 
Um, and, you know, that's great with our team is we got depth. Um, it's, you know, one through six, one through eight, we're, we're close. So the, there's going to be a lot of people fighting for that five, six single spot on the men's side. And it, it could rotate until we figure out figure something out. So I was going to ask that too. When you you start getting to that time where you're gonna you're gonna put those lineups together, you know how set in it are you at? You are going to be one. You are going to be two. Do you like one, two, three? Do you kind of look at those guys and go, yeah, we're that's where you're going to be, and mm-hmm. then fight it out for the rest of them, or is that always going to be fluid and going to have people moving around? Yeah, it's. It's going to be fluid for a bit. Um, what I can tell you is that we do have a couple groups. So we kind of have a couple pods of people that are real close. Um, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. A lot of people at similar, you know, abilities. So at that point, they could be fluctuating within their pods for a little bit. Um, but if we get a lineup set and it works, we're not going to change anything. If we get a lineup set and, you know, Four's winning, three's not. We might have to make an adjustment. I mean, that's just the way it goes, you know. Until you you find something consistently, um, you know, you never know what what the match is going to look like that weekend. So, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's no different than yeah. Greg changing his starting yeah, exactly. lineup because you know whoever's or line changes in hockey, right? right where exactly. the chemistry just isn't there, especially on the double right. side. I would think. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. That's probably the more challenging thing. I mean. You can evaluate players individually on, on the single side because, you know, well, you know, so-and-so played well last weekend but had a rough go this weekend but also played a really good player maybe or maybe a not-so-good player. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, so you can kind of move them around a little bit like that. But doubles, it really does take some chemistry. Oh, yeah. To work that out, doesn't it? And yep. that's that's probably got to be kind of one of the things that's on your mind now is trying to figure out those doubles pairings, especially with the season coming up. Yep. So so with doubles, it's interesting. Um, we've been doing a lot of doubles match play. Um, just to kind of switch it up and figure out, you know, in a week or so, I'm going to ask you what uh, what you want to play, who you want to play with, you know, top three. That's not going to be end all be all, but you know, it gets us an idea of who you think you have chemistry with, right? So, we had that conversation two weeks ago. We sat down, everybody wrote down, like, look, this is who I would love to play with. This is who I could play with. This is why. Um, and then DJ and I are going to evaluate that and uh, go from there. The tough part is getting everybody to practice at the same time to try out our pairings. Um, right. right yeah. So, and that's going to be essential in the next week before our first match here on the men's side. On the women's side, we got this week to figure that out and who's going to be, you know, playing together. Um, but, you know, you have to be practicing together to get that chemistry mm-hmm. and to know that chemistry. So when we have people coming in out of practice because of classes, you know, it gets tough. At the same right, time, yeah. we, we, we make do with what we have. They play outside of practice. They, they report back to us. We, we make it work. So it's, it's exciting because we have, you know, three, four, five doubles pairings that could potentially beat the other three, four, five doubles pairings. So it's, you know, we, we don't have anything set. We really don't, which is, it's, it's scary in a sense. Also good because, you know, we got a lot of people that can compete for spots. Right. So it's, yeah. You, you mentioned uh, match this week, the, the women starting on Saturday yeah. With, yeah. Uh, with UMD, obviously chomping at the bit to have the chance to get out and play. Yep. Um, really thrown into the deep end of the pool when you start playing a Division II yeah. in your first round of competition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
to me, that's got to be that's got to be difficult because they're a division two. So naturally, they they should come in and s- soundly beat a division three. You would think. Yep. How do you navigate that with the players going? Well, these are division two athletes. They're they're supposed yeah. to be good. Right. No, and that's exactly what I tell them. Look, we aren't supposed to win this match. We're not supposed to on paper. You know, tennis isn't played on paper. If, if we get a, a doubles win or two, great. If we get a couple singles win, great. I mean, you have to go into this match knowing that we're the underdogs and we're going to learn something. You know, we are. this match is not a record match. We're not trying to win. We're not trying to go 1-0 and to start. We're trying to learn something to prepare us for the next matches. You know, when we, when we play St. Mary's the next weekend and uh, St. Thomas, we're going to be more ready for that because we've gone through something. We've seen match play, even though... It's going to be tough match play, right? But it's it's, you know, it's it's a learning experience for them. Well, it's almost got to be kind of freeing in a way. I would think, oh yeah, the players because you're not expected to win, so just go out there and cut it loose, and yeah. we'll see what we have. Like, well, let's see what we have, and, you know. And it's because they're not expected to win, so they don't have to worry about. Oh my gosh, you know, that was a bad point, and now it's going to cost us. And oh my gosh, no. they can just go out there play freely, and then you can. It gives you kind of a nice way to kind of actually figure out some of those pairings that you were talking about are kind yeah. of up in the air right now. Right, right. No, I. Well, I played my best tennis against teams that I wasn't supposed to beat, you know. You play up to that competition and sometimes they surprise you. So let's let's jump into you personally a little bit. Sure. You know, um you just mentioned you play your best tennis, so obviously you were a collegiate tennis player. Talk was, to us yeah. a little bit about where you where you came from. Yeah, so I I played at Concordia, Wisconsin. Um had a great time there. It was you know, I, I started at University of Dubuque. Um, I I didn't love it. You With know, the it wasn't Hawks. No, that's Loris. That's oh, Loris. Loris the that's yeah. that's okay. a tough mistake there because <laughs> we were not fans of the Dubuque. No, nah, there's, <laughs> there's a there's a there's definitely a rivalry there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that's no, it's that's funny. It was, My apologies. No, it's it's okay. You know, we so we were the Spartans. Um, yeah, our saying was "Don't be such a Dubuque." <laughs> Because nobody knows what a Duhawk is, but uh, I still don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no idea. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard of that before. But. Yeah. But anyway, so I, it wasn't the right fit for me. I transferred to Concordia, Wisconsin, and best decision of my life. Played some good tennis under Steve um, Anschutz. I can't thank him enough for what he's done uh, for for me and as a mentor. Um, but you know, I we had a good time there. Um, I came in obviously second semester freshman year. Um, we, we were, you know, three, four spot in the conference next year, same thing, three, four spot. Um, and then we, the, we won the, the championship the next two years there. Sorry, I think I screwed that up. Three, four freshman, three, four sophomore. We, uh, won the conference the last two years. So my junior, senior year, we went to, uh, Gis Davis to play in the tournament there. And, um, you know, it's, it's a different jump. You know, it's one thing to win the, the knack, um, in tennis, and then you know to to win at at the national championship level, it's it's tough. Um, but getting there was is it was really cool for us, especially because we made that you know three two one jump. So it was fun. But yeah, um, what else with that? Yeah, I I, I don't know. It, it it really defined who I am as a as a coach now. That experience as a player. So was tennis always a thing for you growing up? Was that like one of the the like the main sport for you as a kid? It so. It wasn't really. I, st- I started okay. playing in sixth grade, um, three-sport athlete in high school. Um, it was, you know, my focus, but I didn't take private lessons. You know, I didn't. I wasn't a country club player. I didn't spend, you know, hours playing tennis. Um, it, I was, 
you know, another high school player. Um, didn't get recruited um, by, like, you know, a lot of schools. There's, you know, everybody sends out a couple of emails, you know. But, um, no, I, I kind of didn't get really recruited, and that's why I, I think this is – it's cool for me to pick up those kids at this point because I was able to have an impact in our lineup as somebody that, you know, that coach didn't really, you know, expect it, you know. So um, I like to find those players when I'm recruiting at this point. So well, that's kind of cool. I mean, John, I know your background in tennis a little bit. Um, and for those who don't know, John was a good, rather accomplished. I was all right. Yeah, you were an okay I wouldn't uh, say tennis accomplished, player. but I was. Yeah. I, was, I could hold my own. Yeah. He said that if he had not gone into hockey, he would have probably stuck with tennis and tried to get yeah. really good at that. I think that's what you basically said, right? Like you told me that pretty much for the most part. Well, I mean, what it came down to was my, I had to make a decision between am I going to play baseball or am I going to play tennis, and mm-hmm. I chose baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I I enjoyed the heck out of playing tennis. I still. Like yeah. it to this day, I can't tell you the last time I actually played right anything. Yeah. But picked up a racket and hit the ball. Yeah, yeah, I can't tell you the last time that happened. But it was something that my my sister played at at the junior college level and won yeah. a state championship. And nice, yeah. Nice. So we, we we have a little bit of tennis in our family. Yeah, nice. uh, that's why it was so cool when I saw you talking about. Uh, Federer and uh, Djokovic at Wimbledon. Well, yeah, yeah, that epic was, championship yeah. last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I really you were tuned it. in on Sunday oh, yeah. morning. I know I certainly was. Yep. yep. You know, and then I found out today that Nadal got upset down in, in Australia. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, no Djokovic uh, Nadal rematch in Australia this year, which right, I'm sure is bumming right. out some people. But oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But but we'll see Djokovic Fed, which is going to be fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. Those two yeah. always, I feel like they bring the best out of each other. Oh yeah. Is he the goat? I, you know, I, I'm a Joker fan. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm not a huge Fed fan. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing with me, and I, I consider Roger right up there, of course, all time, as with most people, yeah. is the fact that he just moves so fluently, fluently, he does. fluidly yep. on the uh, on the yep. court. I mean, he just he the longevity, because he takes care of his body and the way he moves. You know, I I never thought that Nadal was going to last very long, just because he puts so much effort in every point. Oh, he does, but yeah. he's he's in shape enough, man. That's yeah. a that's a big guy. Just he's, the way that he good. plays is is I mean he he's full intensity on every play and it. With, yep. with Novak and also with Roger, it seems like they're just kind of floating on the court. They never seem yeah. like they're ever ex- extending themselves. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they just seem like it's all very natural. Right, right. And for Nadal, it feels like he's just he's really just so dialed in and having to push so hard on every point. Yeah. Right. I always thought he was going to wear down, but he really hasn't. No, you know, no. that's that's what I thought. You know, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I, I enjoy tennis as well. Yeah, I enjoy watching it, and I'm hoping to get a chance to see you guys play outdoors yeah. sooner rather than later. Although, like right, I right. said, Mother Nature may step in, but. Uh, Long term, here's a question for you. I know sure. they're in the conference, right, for the preseason polls. What are you hoping to accomplish with the teams in your first year? I mean, what is your, your end goal for your first year? For the first year? Yeah. Uh, I, I want to take at least third. Um, I, I, it's tough to say, you know. Right, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I want to get into conference play and see some of the other scores with Scholastica, Northwestern, and, um, you know, Bethany Lutheran, Morris, um, I want to see those scores because you know I I don't know exactly how they're going to match up this year. Obviously, they give us the you know the preseason um, the news of like incoming you know good returners, um, but that's all paper. You know I we, I just really want to see what what you know turns out. So, but yeah, no, I, I want to see third. Okay. Um, I'd I'd love to take second first. Obviously, who wouldn't? Right. Um, but I'd love to see third, and you know. Some of my seniors, Grady, especially, um, you know, Allison on the women's side, they they deserve, you know, a good finish to this season. Right. They yeah. deserve it. They put in the time. 
You know, they they've but really from the start. Yeah, yeah. It, in two years, it, they they put in their time. So I I really want to see them rewarded for what they've done. So yeah. I like that answer. That's a good one. How about for you personally? Personally, what yes, uh, you've, you've talked about your players, you've talked about the team. How about for you personally? What what do you want to see out of you in this first season? I that's tough. Did I go that's, too that's, deep here? That's that's I. That's an even tougher question, I would think. <laughs> it is, and yeah. you know, I, I I'm taking it day by day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're trying to get recruits in, get ready for next year. At the same time, you got to be present in the moment. Um, no, it's day by day. We're we're trying to figure out a rhythm. Um, you know, I, when I started the practice plans, you know, it, it took me a little bit of time to put them together, um, just because we're we're trying to get reps, we're trying to do a variety of things. Um, I've been able to dial in more. It's taking less time to create those plans. I know what the guys want. I know what the women want. Um, so, I think for me, it's just getting in that rhythm. You know, it's getting through. Everything's easier the second time around. Right. Right. So, um, it's getting in that rhythm figuring out what works, trial and error. Um, you know, I, that's, that's it. Just find that rhythm. The next three months, that's, that's what the goal is, I guess. When did coaching get on the radar for you? At what point did you decide, you know, I, I, I could see myself doing this? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I, uh, at Concordia, senior year, obviously looking for a job, right? Uh, graduate p- assistant position opened up at North Central College in Illinois. Um, Chicago suburb west, west of the city in Naperville. Um, Tremendous cross-country program. Oh, yeah. Good athletic program. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, just, I mean you know, cross-country is crazy good, but football is good there, basketball. I mean, it's yep. a good athletic program. Yeah, football just won the national championship this year. So yep. yeah. um, they're on ESPN, fun to watch, right? Always going to support them. That's kind of where I came from in a sense. Um, but anyway, so we played North Central for, at Concordia. I played them, talked to the coach after the match. I said, Hey, what's up with this GA position? What's going on? Um, he said, apply. We'll see what happens. So I applied, went down for the interview, uh, ended up getting the job, ended up not liking it at all. Um, I started and I was, I was struggling. I didn't, you know, I, the coaching wasn't, wasn't there. It wasn't, wasn't terribly enthusiastic about it. Um, then by semester two, I was like, this is fun. <laughs> I can do this. I like this. You know that. You know it's it's getting on the court with the guys. It's doing the recruiting with the for the women. It's 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 a little bit of everything. And uh, you know it, every day was different in the office. Obviously that's common for a coach to say. But um, you know I get in at 8 a.m. some days, 10 a.m. some days. You know, be on court for five hours or be in the office for five hours. And uh, you know it's those relationships with the athletes was just something that I, I really started to enjoy. Year two started, and I was like, all right, we can do this. So I saw the job open up, and I'm like, let's let's check it out. Let's see what happens. Um, and, you know, the rest is kind of history here. I, I've been really enjoying being a coach. It's not, you know, two years ago, I, it's not something that I thought I would be doing. And now I'm like, this is this is for me. So, Is it beneficial or maybe a little bit of a hindrance the the age thing with you because you're a young coach yeah you're oh, yeah. a young head coach yeah and I mean you're not much older than your players right is that beneficial because you can relate to them well or is that a hindrance because they almost look at you like he can't be an authority figure because oh, yeah. a year and a half ago he was still in speech class right you right. know that kind yeah. of thing I mean is that a benefit to you or does that work against you you think oh it's both okay. Absolutely both. Um, there's pros and cons to it. Um, 
what helped was when I was down at North Central, my head coach was 25. So we've been through these conversations about, look, here's what's good about it. Here's the weakness to it, right? So what's really good is, like you said, I, I can relate to them. I just did this. <laughs> right, Guys, I yeah. know what you want. Like, we, we want to win. We want to be good on court. We want to be good off court. Um, I, I just did it. You're not fooling me. Um, so that's the pro to it. Talking to recruits is the same thing. Look, I, I know what you guys want. We did this um, two years ago. I've been doing this. Um, I was a player. I was a coach at this level. We've done this. But um, the cons, I am young. I haven't been around the block. You know, it's in the parents that are coming in here with their, their recruiting, their son or daughter. They see me 23 years old, like, you're the head coach or like who's you want to introduce me to your head coach like <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, no, that's you're on the team it. right <laughs> yeah right no I've, I've got asked that many times like oh so what year are you like, well, <laughs> I'm actually the coach here um, but um, no it's so there, there's cons to it but and like you said I mean Harry is a senior he's nine months younger than me <laughs> we're both 23 you know so it, we can we can talk on a different level and you know again I know what he wants so that's that's the pro to it. There, there's not all pros, but yeah. Well, I feel like in today's day and age, I feel like younger coaches are beginning to relate better to their players. Oh, yeah, and right. This is across the board, and here's why. And it's, you know, you and I came up through the old school where we were coached by guys that were, do what I say, don't question it, just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to know to know why. Yeah, you don't need to know you why. You just need to do. Just this. know that I'm doing it for a reason, and that it's a good reason. Yes. So you just go ahead and do it. Today's athletes a little bit different mentally, and it's been talked about, you know, at every level of, you know, sports basically, all the way from professional all the way down to high school and, and youth. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be able to kind of relate to them a little bit more personally. Yep. And so I feel like younger coaches have an advantage in that regard because they're not so far away from that age mm-hmm. that they can't relate and understand what they're thinking. Yep. You know, in our case, it was when me and John played, it was, you know, coaches a lot older than I am. He's got a lot more experience. Don't question him and don't ask him about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just do it. Yep. You know, and then come back, and they always maintain that distance. Yep. I'm, I'm your coach. I'm not your friend. That was always what they said. And that still, I think, is the case at a certain point. But I think coaches nowadays, they kind of say, look, I'm young, especially a young coach would say, look, I'm young. I'm going to make mistakes. You're young. You're going to make mistakes. Let's learn together. Mm-hmm. Let's go through this together. Let's have a conversation about it. Right. Yeah, that's, like yeah. let's we're we're gonna grow together. Yeah. You know, because I, you know, for me, if I was a young coach, I'd just be saying, "Look, I'm not gonna pretend that I know everything, and I'm gonna make right. mistakes. Right? I, I just am, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna apologize in advance for that because it's gonna happen. I don't have all the answers to everything, and there are gonna be times where I misstep. But what we need to do is embrace those mistakes, both you as an athlete, me as a coach, and then we'll learn together and we'll grow together and we'll create something cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of, I think, that mindset, I think athletes nowadays go, yeah, I can I can get with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Instead of the old days where it was, coach says this, you just do it, and then, you know, you might be able to ask him about it in his office afterward or whatever. But at the time, you know, don't have a full-out conversation with him or her about what mm-hmm. it is that they're wanting. Yeah, you know, and I feel like for a younger coach, it's much easier to say, "Look, I'm not trying to get on you. I'm just letting you know this is what I think, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But for right now, please just do what I what I'm asking you to do. And if it doesn't work, then we'll make an adjustment. But just understand that I'm not trying to be 
you know, and then they'll go, the light kind of goes on, ding, and then they, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of embrace that a little bit more. At least that's how I feel about it. I don't know if you feel the same way, but. Yeah, no, if I could speak on that for a second. Oh, yeah, sure, uh, absolutely. So with your, with what you're saying about them challenging their coach, right, it's different. I love, like, okay, so not a lot of people can, cha- like, challenge them and ask you questions, and, you know, they keep me on my toes. Right. You know, yeah. I have to. I have to have a reason. I have to have a why for everything, and it has to be pretty pre-thought out. Um, if this is look, if I'm saying you're doing this, they're gonna be like, so, so why are we doing that? And I love that they do that because it gives me to gives me a chance to get better, gives them a chance to get better because they are asking questions. Gosh, I I need them to ask questions because that's how you learn. Right. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that they wouldn't ask questions if I was you know 45, 50 years old. It just they. You know, it's it's different, um, yeah. but we can have a, a real conversation about the why, right. and it, they, I don't think they'll be nervous about that conversation. Well, so it also I, builds up that relationship and that trust. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can absolutely. go to CJ and say, look, I don't get it. What are we doing here? And then yeah. I'll say, let's figure it out together. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. instead of, like, if we had said to our coaches, I don't get it. Too bad. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that would have yeah, been, yeah. <laughs> you know, that would have been. It'll, then they would say something invariably like, "You, it will make sense later on. Just trust me. Right. But it doesn't feel it, like it still feels like you're cut off. In your case, it's like, you know, yeah, that, this is why we're doing it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But we're, this is how I want to do it for now. And then, okay, yeah, let's try it. But to your point, you want them to try to figure it out. Right. So there needs to be a balance. I can't give them this is exactly why we're doing it. I want them to kind of figure it out too. Right, yeah. So there's a balance to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So, Ready for a little rapid fire? All right, let's do it. So the part that that he already had the smile going, so he knew it was coming. Well, yeah, if he's he's a frequent listener, (laughs) you know, long-time listener, first-time caller, then, yeah, Yeah, he knows. Then he would know what we're Yeah, he knows about how this is going to go. And he already gave me the, I have the answer for the one you always ask. The first one. That's about it. The first one, so... Granted, you're only 23. You're fresh into this, but if you are not a coach, what are you? Yeah, so that's the thing. I, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to, you know, have options. You know, this is this is it. But um, I thought about being a financial advisor. Um, you know, you're saying if I'm not a college tennis coach, I still might be a tennis coach. There's mm-hmm. a, you know, the club, the club business coaching right. tennis is pretty big. I could be doing that. Um, I had a potential job in uh, New Zealand teaching tennis there. Oh wow, that's probably my second option. Do that travel for a little bit do sure. that for a bit um but yeah no i if if i'm not a tennis coach here i don't know financial advisor um doing some traveling for a little bit until i need to you know establish a career um coaching tennis somewhere else is that so, what you majored in in college did you what was your major i did sport business and accounting okay so, okay yeah. so that makes sense then yeah i like to i like to have that financial you know foundation okay so for the rest of your life you can only have either hot food or cold food, which one is it? Hot food, obviously, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So Wait, cold. Not, not for you, or I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I mean, I, that's a difficult question because if I'm not having cold food, ice cream's out. That's a problem. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no cookies. <laughs> well, oh, cookies can go either way. Warm cookies. Yeah, warm cookies. they'd have yeah, to yeah, be yeah, warm. Either way. You know, but. So, I mean, it, it makes well, you think, because you're not yeah. just kicking cereal to the curb here, you know, and right, all that. Right. You're, you're suddenly losing chocolate pudding. Yeah. You're suddenly losing ice cream. I yeah. mean, that's, it's a little bit more of a thinker, but you were very deliberate well, with, you know, hot food. Well, you know, I wasn't thinking about dessert. Um, I was thinking about the big meals. Right. You know, the, the pastas, the, 
stuff like that. Um, I'd miss that. Yeah. But I don't. Then you go the other direction. I'd miss like burgers and pizza. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's a difficult one. Yeah, that's a really tough one. I mean, you know what I would really miss if I had to eat hot food? And you're going to laugh. Sushi. I oh, love no. sushi. Why would I laugh yeah. about that? Oh, no. That's, I, I love sushi. I enjoy a I, trip to Hanabi as much as the next oh, guy yeah. does. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's an event, you know, for us. But, yeah, it's a tough one, man. Especially, like you said, ice cream. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How am I going to give up on that? I don't know. Especially in Wisconsin. I mean, America's <laughs> Dairyland. How do you and give then, up ice cream? And cheese. And cheese. Mm-hmm. I mean, how am I going to get up give up on a really good sharp cheddar? Mm-hmm. How am I going to do that? I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's tougher than I thought it was going to be. After, <laughs> after you, you know, give a little explanation there. I thought I had it, but... I don't know. That's tough. We'll stay with food. All right. All right. So Matt just opened Matt's Pizzeria. Okay. I don't know if you know that, but he did. Cool. So yes. he's he's making a pie there called the CJ. What is on the CJ? So I like a good Hawaiian. Um, you know, With ham or with Canadian bacon? Canadian bacon. Okay. Um, you know, some pineapple. Um, I, somehow we need to incorporate barbecue sauce. Um, I know that's interesting for a Hawaiian, but I think it could work. Um, I know, think some, it could too. Yeah. I think it could too, but it would depend on how heavy the sauce is and yeah. how much you would, like, how would you design the sauce? That's S- the question. So I think it would be an Alfredo base. Okay. Um, and then maybe a uh, a barbecue, you know, swirl. Okay. Potentially. Yeah, I think that could work. I think it could too. It's something that would have to cut With the, the Alfredo a little bit. Base, yeah. you got a little, a little more cheesy to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. A little bit of cream in there. Yeah. So. Uh, some diced tomatoes as well. Lost Ooh. me. Yeah, no, John has a couple of, of, of things that he just does not eat. No, tomatoes, tomatoes and onions being them. Yeah, I, I, no onions on this one either. Good. I, yeah. yeah. All right, I'm coming back. All right. I'm coming back. <laughs> right. So diced tomatoes, could, could it be a sun-dried tomato? It, yeah, absolutely. You know, because yeah. I could probably do that. Okay, we could do that. I could work I, uh, with that. He needs to tell you the story about uh, our trip to... Uh, <laughs> That's for a different time. <laughs> yeah. That's for a different time. We're, we're not going to get we're into, not gonna get into that one. But uh, yeah, right. just to, to fully dive into I his cannot, dislike I cannot of already, onions. I'm already okay. tasting it. Hopefully. <laughs> 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 That's many years ago, but that, yes. was, that, that story will live in infamy. Uh, it will. What would your theme song be? Oh, that's tough. Um, that's tough. Can you give me, like, multiple choice here? Is that... Well, it's kind of up to you. It's up to you. I know, I know, yeah. but I don't know you well enough yet to, well, let's, let's, to let's, be able to throw that out. Let's bring this up. Let's ask this question. What are your favorite genres? Yes, of music? what genre so, do you live in? <laughs> well, I'm young. Okay, so, so he's eclectic. <laughs> okay, he's got so, eclectic music taste. So, okay, yeah, so, so do I. I've, I'm all over the place. Yeah, I'm yeah. all over the board. Yeah, so. no, I, I, so I like some electronic music. I like some rap. Um, country is always safe. Um, I don't necessarily like pop. Um, but yeah, no, that's, I'm with you there. So if, yeah. so if we're introducing you to walk up to the plate to take a swing, what's your walk-up song? That's, this is, this is a question I should have prepared for. I should have <laughs> predicted. I should know. Um, man, that's tough. See, I don't have an answer for me either. That's no. the thing. Like it would, it, mine would change year to year, I think. Oh, and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. But um, in the here and now. Right. Yeah. For right now. So, do you guys knew, know the new song by Drake and Future called Life is Good? That one... I, I might have to look it up now. Yeah. It, nope. It's, it's... I think that's it. Okay. It's okay. called Life is Good. It's, you know, it's it's a good good track. So. Are you like one of those people who like to listen to uplifting music? Like, are you somebody that listens for, like, motivational stuff? I mean, there's, like... 
Because, I mean, most artists will do something that's somewhat uplifting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm one of those people who I like multiple genres, too. I mean, yeah. I do. If you look at, like, my playlist on my phone and, and, you know, on my computer, it's all kinds. It's across the board, man. Yeah. I got everything from, you know, John Williams, you know, Star Wars soundtrack to, yeah. you know, gangster rap with Tupac and everything in between. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, so I, I feel you, like I understand, you know, and depends on the day, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, like I changed it up this morning. I was listening to Fleetwood Mac when I was putting yeah, together sure. like my notes oh, for the day. Sure. So, you know, for this podcast and the two games I'm broadcasting tonight, but, um, yeah, it goes across the board. I'm all over the place yeah. and, uh, I think that's good. You should be across, the, you know, yeah. all over the place. If you're not, you're, you're, you're way too narrow focused for me. Right. That's my feeling. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's yeah. like me walking in your office and listening, having you play John Mellencamp the other day, which I didn't know. But I've heard you play everything in there from Van Halen to, you know, country. Well, and, yeah, and if I really have to be in the zone, I mean, I've had the, the electronic music playing before, too. And that really makes people walk by my office and go, yeah. what yeah. in the world is – who are you and what did you do with Garver? Because he does not listen to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, right, yeah. You don't know that. Yeah. If you catch me early enough in the morning, you might find classical or jazz playing in my right, office. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times before I go to bed, I'll listen to a soundtrack of a movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, on my way home, KUMD, just some – Easy listening stuff, like it's it's good. They'll but, be happy uh, to hear that. Yeah, yeah. they will be. Yeah, they'll <laughs> be happy to hear that. Yeah. So. Said from the studios of KUMD. Yeah, yeah. I listen to KUMD. <laughs> Paul used to work at KUMD, so it's yeah, our, okay. Our our boss used to be the yeah. the man over there. So, okay, it, it, it's so. okay. So well, yeah. what what do I need to tune into for KWS? Which ninety one point three. Ninety one three. All right. Yeah. Uh, let me let me give that a shot. If it's after seven p.m., you get some nice jazz. Okay. Yep. He yeah. actually, our, our producer, uh, Elliot, he runs a lot of it. Yeah. All right. So, well, yeah. I will, I'll give that a shot. Yeah. You should. Absolutely. Yeah. I got yeah. one more for you. He perked yeah. up, by the way. Elliot perked <laughs> up on that one. Basketball tonight, right? Yep. Yep. Basketball tonight, but he also does uh, some other things. He, he, does, does, he does everything. Yeah. Let's I, I feel honest. like Elliot lives in this studio. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, he's just here all the time. Like, we're going to name it after him when he graduates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elliot Sweary, like, memorial. Not memorial, because you're not dead yet, but, like, the Elliot Sweary, like, studio. Yeah. We'll come yeah. to something like that. Yeah. We'll do something like that. Yeah. One more for you. Yep. So I've been, we've been kind of in birthday mode because our son is nearing his first birthday, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And obviously, mm-hmm. when you're a one-year-old, you, it's don't, a big really, one. you don't really have much <laughs> of a, a party, obviously, yeah. outside of family. But what was your favorite birthday party as a kid? Favorite birthday party? Could be That's... as elaborate as, you know, we went all went horseback riding. Could be we all went to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um. Well, I mean, 21 was fun. <laughs> I said as a kid. As a, I said I, as a kid. Are we well, not kids 21 at 21? So, quote, unquote, a kid, isn't that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, well, compared to you and I. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, and compared to people who are older than us, Fair. yeah, then CJ would Fair. definitely. So, okay, 21 is yeah, fun. I'll give, I'll give you 21. Okay. But, but, um, YMCA group party there one time when I was younger. I don't know what year it was, but, you know, they just brought a group of friends in and we just did some activities at the Y. It's Nothing crazy, you know, but it was it little was swimming good. party. Yeah, swim, you know, like awesome. shooting hoops, just you know, Mine doing what Chuck kids e. do. Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Yeah, Cheese. When I was yeah. like maybe eight or nine, but I invited like my whole class and like thirty-five people showed up. My parents lost their minds, but I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, you've got you know, you're Chuck E. Cheese, and there are these big weird animals up on stage that are spinning around and playing instruments, and right. the strobe light goes, and their legs kicking on the wall. It just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, it kind of fit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Do people go to Chuck E. Cheese anymore for that kind of stuff? I don't Did even... you ever go to Chuck E. Cheese? Oh, yeah. Oh, did oh, you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
You never, you never went. I've gone to Chuck E. Cheese once, but never for a birthday party. Okay, you know, just for some pizza. Oh, you just, oh, <laughs> you just eat the pizza. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was little, you know. Oh, it was yeah, a yeah. really big deal to be able to go to Chuck E. Cheese and say you went to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, and then right. you dive into the uh, into the pool of, of balls and right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the whole thing. You know, the arcade, you get your little tokens. I mean, the whole thing was just sort of like it was kind of like kid heaven. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, but I didn't realize that. You know, at the time, I didn't. I for for that party, I didn't re- recognize the. An inherent humor of having legs kicking on the wall, you know, <laughs> females' legs kicking on the wall while the band was playing. I just, <laughs> looking back on it, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, was Chuck E. Cheese a favorite place for you to go? Did it, you like going there? Well, it was a half hour away, so it was it was an occasion, but okay. we did. And whenever we went, we had fun. So yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, you could not. Right. No. Yeah. Exactly. And plus the the fact that the pizzas were about the size of this table. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, it yep. didn't hurt either. Right. So, yep. Yeah. So no, it was like kid heaven. That was mine. Yep. You know, but YMCA was good too. I mean, I went yeah. to some parties there. So Machine Shack. I don't know if you guys ever had that kind of thing. Um, another game room type thing. That was always fun. Excellent. But, yeah. What about you, John? Man, it's a long time ago. If you're asking me to go back to when I was a kid, <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be. That's a long no, time. No, yeah, ago. exactly. Like, yeah. well, because I pretty much haven't celebrated a birthday in the last 20 years. Right. Yeah. You I, know, because at, at this point now, it's just yeah. another day. So I eat sushi on my birthday. You know, I didn't. So even, that's what I do. My wife always says yeah. she's going to take me out to the ham and for a steak dinner, but I'm still waiting for the first one after we met. It has never happened. <sighs> oh, come you on, know. Allison. I'm going to have to get on her about that. Go right ahead. Okay. Go right ahead, and you owe him a steak dinner for his birthday. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd probably go back to when I was little, when you kind of put two or three things together, where you, you know, we're going to go bowling, mm-hmm. and then we'll go down the road and hit Pizza Hut, and then we'll all go next door to the arcade. That kind of thing. Yeah. I had the same idea as a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, yeah. except yeah. not under yeah. one roof. Yeah, it's yeah. not all one place. Right. Yeah, it's not like one big extravaganza. But I suppose, I mean, did you ever like to make the trip to Duluth from Chisholm to do that? Or no. No, it just stayed Yeah. Stayed in Hibbing, Chisholm, yeah. that area. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Which our options were obviously very limited in, in a town of 5,000 people, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. I mean, some of it depends on where you live, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. I was lucky. I grew up in Minneapolis, and so we had all that stuff available. Right. And, yeah. Minneapolis is our clo- closest Chuck E. Cheese, so right, yeah. So you know. it would have been really tough for you to get to a Chuck E. Cheese when right. you were a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a three hour drive, yeah. three and a half hour drive. Yeah, so just to see legs kicking on a wall. Ma and Pa Garb <laughs> weren't going to do that for my birthday. No, no, that's a long way. Yeah, you know. So I understand that then. Yeah. C.J. Schaffner, new men's right. and women's tennis coach. We we appreciate the uh, the candor. We appreciate the insight into what makes you tick and. You know, we look forward to seeing your teams on the court, either inside or out. Yeah, yeah, we'll try to spring. make sure we come out and see you. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks, no, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. It was it was a good time. We'll be back with more of the Eye of the Swarm right after this. For over eighty-five years. The dollars deposited at National Bank of Commerce have been reinvested into the community, sparking bold ideas and igniting big dreams. Our customers have helped transform the region. And if we've come this far already, just imagine what's next. National Bank of Commerce. We make more possible. We're back on Eye of the Swarm and a fun conversation with the new tennis coach here, C.J. Schaffner, and learning a little bit about him. He's a little bit of a, a quiet guy, had to had to do some pulling a little bit to get him to talk, but once he got rolling, he was all right. 
Yeah, he, he, was, he was a little, little nervous, nervous about some of it, yeah, but he was some, okay. There was some nervous smiling in there, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we bring it out of people, though, John. I, I mean, guess we do. How many people have we had on the on the podcast now that have said, "Well, I don't know how much I'm going to have to say," and then well, two for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and both of them came right out of their shells once we started. Well, you know, maybe chatting, it was the so. whole. Winter storm Ezekiel conversation that got him rolling. Yeah, well, you know, it we spent have... a good fifteen minutes talking about snow. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that that has a well. I mean, that was an unusual event. It was. We just wanted to make sure that he understood that. Right. Because he's not from these parts. So no. originally, so we just had to make sure that he understood that. But uh, I can't imagine moving in under those circumstances and seeing that. Oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> At any rate. Uh, we got some hefty games on the schedule this week, Matt. We do, we do. There's a lot going on, so uh, bear with us here as we uh, run through all this, and we'll do it as efficiently and quickly as possible here. Men's basketball is in action this week. They've got a pair of games. Um, interesting enough, that it's going to be kind of a weird weekend because almost nobody's home. Almost everybody's away. Just women's hockey and women's Just, tennis. Yeah, that's it. Everybody else is on the road. So it's going to be kind of quiet around... Uh, you know, Jacket Sports this mm-hmm. weekend as far as the home standing. But we'll talk more about that in a second. Men's basketball is in action twice this week, taking on Northland College, 5.30 p.m. on Tuesday, or I mean on Wednesday night, sorry. And then on Saturday, they're at Minnesota Morris for 3 p.m. for 3 p.m. Uh, tilt against the Cougars. Thankfully, I'm not making that trip this year. That's my <laughs> least favorite trip to make. It's You're a, welcome. Yes, thank you, John. It was, uh, <laughs> it's about a four-and-a-half, five-hour drive, and it's one of those where you have to kind of like weave your way through right. all these little towns, so it makes it feel like it's a lot longer than that. But, uh, yeah, the uh, Yellow Jackets uh, taking on Northland College for the second time this year. The Jackets beat them 78-54 to earlier in the year. That was a game that was played, I think, in November. I want to say late November, early December, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but they'll be taking on the Lumberjacks for the second time. Um, I'll be on the air with that one. So uh, by the time, of course, you listen to this, that will have already been passed. But I will not be on the air for the Minnesota Morris game. I'm not back on the air actually until the 8th of February with them. So it's going to be – I get a little bit of a break. A little bit of a break. Yeah, I get a little bit of a break in there. Women's basketball, same story. Well, they have an extra game in there as well. We'll talk more about that in a second here. Women's basketball against Northland College at 7.15 on Wednesday night. Then Saturday at Minnesota Morris, 445, the opening tip there. And then they have that makeup game against UW-Eau Claire. That's right. On Monday at 7 p.m. That game is really just scheduled for November 30th. So Ezekiel. Yeah, Ezekiel. That, that was, was an Ezekiel story. That was, yeah, that yep. was the postponement due to Zeke Yep, making his appearance. What's so. the over-under on fouls in the uh, Northland game? Oh, gosh. I, I, you know, I got to broadcast that game in about three or four hours, so I'm really... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was hoping that you wouldn't bring that up. I'm going to. I just uh, did. Yeah, so there you go. What was it? 46 fouls and 62 fu- free throws the yep. first time they played. Yep. Oh, jeez. I'd like to keep it under 40. Okay. I'll be curious. I'd to like s- to. I'm. I. You I'll know. Be curious. I'm just sort of wondering. You know how many times I'm going to say. And there's a whistle and a foul called tonight. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> we'll report back and find out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's the slate. So three games coming up for the Yellow Jacket women uh, this week. Um, before we uh, come back on these airwaves. Men's and women's track and field have a two-day event, the Warren Bolas Invitational, which is an annual event hosted by UW-Stout at the Sports and Fitness It's a big Center. meet. It is. It's huge. There's like 15 to 20 teams. That yeah, show up for and it. it's, it's one of those where regionally you kind of get an idea where you stack up. Yep, yep. Uh, action will get underway down in Menominee starting at 3 p.m. on Friday, and then on Saturday they'll get back at it at 11 a.m. Uh, women's hockey, meanwhile... This week they have a Friday and Saturday tilt against Finlandia. That's actually a weekend series at Westman Arena. Friday's game starts at 7 p.m. with the women's game starting at 2 p.m. on 
Saturday. Neil Jackets and the Lions getting together. I think this is the second time they played this year or the first time? This is the first time. This is the first time this year? Yeah. Okay. This is the first time they have played the Lions this year, so two games for them. Home series against Finlandia. And then men's hockey, they have a big one back-to-back, home and home. Massive. Yeah, with uh, UW Stevens Point. Yep. First game Thursday, so tune in at 91.3. 7 p.m. against UW Stevens Point. Second time they'll have seen the defending national champions, the Pointers. 6.40 the pregame with my partner in crime, Mr. Garberson, across from me here at the table. And then on Saturday, on the road at KB Willard Arena to take on Stevens Point in game two of the back-to-back, home-to-home. 7 p.m., 6.40 pregame. That's the Yellow Jackets and the Pointers meeting for the third and final time during the regular season for 2019-20. You're talking four and a half, five hours for you to go to Morris. I'm four and a half, five hours to going go to the Point. other way. Yeah, and I haven't made a trip to Point since we got out of the Wyack. Right. I mean, I used to have to make that trip, too. So I It's my favorite trip. You like that building. I love going there. Yeah, I know you I love, love that going there. You love it's it. my favorite building to it was my favorite building to play in. You know, aside from Westman, it was my favorite place to play in. It's my favorite place to call a game in. Yeah, I, I got I know they have a pretty good setup for And you. they got a new press box now, so I can't wait to see that. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah so uh yay for John. He's yeah. gonna be enjoying that. I'm excited trip. about that road trip. It's a long one coming home, but it's no, I, I love going to games in point. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's up for men's hockey and then of course women's tennis opening up to two thousand 20 campaign, they'll be taking on uh, UMD, Division Two opponent to start the season for yeah. Coach C.J. Schaffner in his first year. It's been like that every year, though. Yeah. You know, Colin Dean did the same thing Yep, where he he pit him against a really good team yep. You know, to, see what to they start have. the year, and let's see how we stack up. Yep. 11 a.m., action will get underway. If you have time, head down to Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse and check him out. That's yeah. where they'll be playing. So 11 a.m. will get going on Saturday. The Yellow Jackets and the Bulldogs. Opening up the 2020 campaign, and uh, yeah, we'll see what he has. I mean, a little bit, like you said, uh, there's going to be some tinkering going on with the lineups, but uh, that's the nice thing about playing a D2 team. You can kind of let right, it loose you, a little bit yeah. and find out what you have. Yep. So that's what's coming up this week. It's going to be a busy week, but uh, a lot of teams are away. All so. weeks are busy right yep. now, all of them, especially with these winter teams kind of fading through the regular seasons and approaching playoff time, but uh, it's best time of the year. Yeah, I mean, we're coming right down to it. The conference tournaments are going to be in less than a month for yep. men's and women's basketball and for men's, men's women's, women's hockey. hockey, too, same, yep. I think. So, uh, yeah, we're coming upon it. It's, uh, it always seems like it hits me square in the face. Yeah, but it uh, does, and you've yeah. got all this stuff happening and you potential where you could have playoff series for hockey and playoff games for basketball, and we're hosting UMAC track and field championships and everything, and all this is going on at the end of February, and then it just stops. Yep. Everything is done, and for over a month, you have nothing at home. Right, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That That's pretty much how it you goes. You know, I mean, then, you're just going 1,000 miles an hour, and then you're just done. And then you're watching the sky. Yeah. For the spring. Yep, I mean, and I, just hoping that fields can of, be cleared off. And There's a lot of sky watching going on. There is. There Frank, is. In fact, uh, Frank Pufal already told me that he's had to change part of his schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to move stuff around. No, yeah. not, and they're not, not even in spring practice yet. No, they, they officially started. Have they started practice? Yeah, okay. they started this week. Okay. So okay. softball and baseball have officially started practice. So, yeah, you've got all these teams. you got non-trads for soccer have started. you got a lot of things happening. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's a busy time, but it's a fun time. It's a fun time, yep. So that's, uh, that's uh, this week's version of what's going on. He's our engineer, Elliot Swear. He's the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Have the Swarm.